Hello there. Do you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. is Star Wars Galactic Archives. I am your hosting guide, Darth Dragus. I hope you had a great Halloween holiday this year. We took a week off after our trip to Dagobah to gather ourselves and to plan out where we would go from next. Now, while putting this podcast together, the whole point was to both be informative but to have fun at the exact same time. And I had a lot of fun recently putting the Halloween special together where we didn't cover all, but we went over quite a few of our dark-sided planets. So the question was, where do we go from there? How do we follow up? Do we go back to even more dark-sided planets? Because there are tons of them out there. Do we just keep going from planet to planet? Do we jump into the movies? Do we jump into the comics? We did a special where we talked about the Ahsoka series, so is that what we want to do? Is Are we just going to talk about the movies and the shows right now? We're at the really early stages, after all, of this podcast. So where does the Force guide us to go here? Well, to be honest, ask and you shall receive. Because at the same time when I had been planning these out and setting up which ones I should do, A sudden upsurge happened into my very first episode. This is where I covered the ricotta, and I actually received an overwhelming response in both appreciation and questions to that episode. Surprisingly, nothing negative has come out of any of the emails or comments that I have received, which I greatly appreciated of. Constructive criticism is always helpful, and it helps the show grow and help guide us in the direction we should go. While we want to keep this fun and entertaining, at the same time, it's what type of entertainment do we want to present to you, the listeners. But with such an enthusiastic response to that first episode of the Ricotta, that gave me the idea to maybe where we should start from. Perhaps a beginning, if you will. Now, what do I mean by the beginning? I could go and revisit A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back, and all the original movies. But in my opinion, there's so much more that even goes before that, that we have to go back even further. So does that mean that we go to the prequels? Do I go to The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, or The Clone Wars themselves, the animated series? Well, there's information in those stories that even predate that. See, when it comes to Star Wars, each story you open 
there's something even further behind that. So what do we want to use here as the beginning? How far back do we really want to go? Where do we want to start from? Where do we want to put our timestamp on? I think the best place to start would be to go back all the way to the beginning of the entire order itself, past the Sith, past the Jedi, to even before the establishment of the Jedi Order. Like I said, going back to the very first episode of the podcast where we covered the Rakata, we are already, in a way, started the momentum in the direction that we should be headed. We already started thousands and thousands of years before the beginning of the Jedi Order. So maybe that's where we should pick up from. Now, like I said, we already started with the Rakata and the Infinite Empire, but in that story, they touched on different type of species within the Crusades against the galaxy. Now, if you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, I do invite you to go back. There was at one point in time with the Rakata where they came across the Jedi, but to understand the Jedi, we have to know their origins. So, in a way, as if the Force itself was guiding us, I think we have our reference for our starting point, if you will. We will go all the way back to where the first reference of TYA is referred to. Now, what is TYA, you may ask? That would be the Tho Yor, and that is where we will begin. That will be where we plant the seeds of origins and begin our timeline trek. So if we were to go back and put a timestamp on the beginning of all of this to a rough estimate at the beginning of the flow of the Star Wars universe timeline, we would go back to 36,453 BBY. This would be known as the beginning of the first migration. This would be the arrival of the Tho Yor. Now, just for clarification and a little bit of a timestamp, we could go back even further because there is more history beyond this. But as further back we go from this point, it does become more circumstantial and the records become a little bit more murky and unclear. This is the first recorded, fairly documented event that we can continue a steady stream of time from. Now, if we would break it down into simplest terms, the Tho Yor was the name of an eight great pyramid-shaped ships. A little bit of a mouthful there. These carried the four sensitive ancestors of the Jedi Order to Tython in the same year, 36,453 BBY. Now, following their arrival on Tython, the ships spread out around the planet and deposited their passengers onto the world, where they constructed cities and temples at the spots of their arrival. For millennia, the Tho Yor remained at the sites of these temples, floating mysteriously or buried in the ground. It wasn't until the Force Wars that the members of the Order discovered that the Tho Yor could be weaponized to defend the planet by concentrating a large amount of Force energy and channeling it into the Tho Yor. Now, that's its simplest terms, but we're not just going to leave it at that. There's so much more information to go through 
backstory, the stories behind it and the theories that engulf it, it's just too much to leave it as that simple paragraph. So let's break it apart. Let's try to like chew on this a little bit. Now, if you could picture a giant three-dimensional diamond floating in the sky with no visible thrusters or types of propulsion, this would be what a Thoyor looked like. It also had the galactic insignia that would be adopted later on thousands and thousands of years later by both the Galactic Republic and by the Sith Empire. That eight-spoked wheel that we all know Many of us associate that symbol with the Galactic Empire, though it is slightly different. It doesn't have the eight spokes, it has six. This image that we know was embedded on the top of every Thoyor. So that imperial insignia that you remember for the Galactic Empire, imagine eight spokes on that, and that is what was on these 3D diamond floating ships. Now, the Thoyor is where we get our measurement of time known as TYA. That is referenced in the Star Wars book, Dawn of the Jedi, Into the Void. Now, the TYA stands for Thoyor Arrival. This would be when the Thoyor opened up its doors, allowing the sentient beings access to the insides of the ships, and would then later transport them that same year to Tython, hence the arrival. Now, TYA is not the only measurement of time we have in the Star Wars universe. We're all familiar with the time frame of BBY and ABY. BBY referring to before the Battle of Yavin, and ABY referring to after the Battle of Yavin. This is the timeline we're most familiar with. This is the most common one that is used throughout the Star Wars universe, but we also have a few others. We also have LY, which refers to the Lothal year. Year zero on Lothal is near the same time that the Yavin system was rediscovered by the Republic by the use of probe droids. So it's interesting that the year zero coincides with the discovery of a planet that would be important to the galactic history thousands of years later on. Now we also have another timeline that is referred to as CRC. Now this one gets a little murky. Year zero for CRC is close to an event known as the Wamian Sea Storms. This is a large and deadly war between the Galactic Republic and the Wayman Sea Hollow the creepy and isolationist government of the planet Wainancy. They had a sort of techno-witch culture, combining religious fanaticism with military engineering that at the time was superior to the Republic. Now, this war didn't really take place near the Hosnian system, but when the Republic was able to best the witches, they did something that would be later seen as remarkably cruel. Salting the Earth is a rough thing to do on our own planet here, but in the Star Wars galaxy, the Wayman Sea planet was actually turned into a hyperspace sinkhole. What this means exactly and how it was done is the secret that has been lost to history. But it is interesting that around this warping of space and time, the Hosnian would set a new calendar in its place, hence the CRC. We don't know either, too, why it is referred to as CRC. 
Now to give a little perspective in the BBY calendar, this CRC beginning for year zero would actually be 7,811 BBY to the common calendar. So as we can see, there's numerous forms of calendars and measurements of time. Now these are not the only ones in the Star Wars universe. These are just a few that I brought up in reference to my point. Moving forward for the rest of this explanation, we will be continuing with TYA, or the Thoyor Arrival, mixing it with BBY in parts. So before we go too far down the line, here's our first question. Who built the Thoyor? Why were they built? That comes under a lot of speculation and theory just in itself. We don't have any written record, and the inhabitants that entered the ships were not made aware or even described to of who the creators of the Thoyor were. So a lot of this goes under speculation and theory. The Thoyor were actually on the planet thousands of years before they ever lifted off. So they were planted like seeds on many planets from Ando Prime to Kashyyyk to Dathomir to Ryloth itself. Many of these planets were inhabited with these Thoyor as seeds to disperse amongst the galaxy. Now if we look into what they did later on as they gathered force users and brought them to the center of the galaxy, why would they do that? That's the question that we should ask ourselves moving forward because this could help us have the reason or theorize of who built them. What was the actions that these ships later did? So if we go back into the history of Star Wars or the creation of many civilizations regardless of your genre that you follow, whether it be aliens, whether it be Halo, Star Wars, everything has a place of origin. With Star Wars, most agree that the Celestials, the father, the son, and the daughter, would be your points of origin, the beginning of all creation throughout the galaxy. Now, if we follow their story as it continues throughout the Star Wars archives, we find that the early beginnings of the Celestials, they wanted to spread the knowledge and the influence of the Force amongst the galaxy, and they wanted to create as any godlike figure would. But you only want to nudge a civilization to a point. You don't want to overwhelm them. You don't want to entice them too much or to push them to the brink that they can't handle it. There's a theory that goes that the Celestials created these diamond-esque ships to go to these planets to help amplify the force around these beings that were open to it, to entice them to come in together to absorb into the galaxy and to bring them to a central location. Now, why would we want to do this? Why not leave them to where they are on their planets and adapt to the Force themselves? Well, maybe we can just theorize that instead of having so many fractions throughout the galaxy, it was better to bring them into one location to possibly grow and learn and to share the information together. We see this later on through the Star Wars history that when the Sith and the Jedi Orders were created that division is never a good thing. Even in the Rebel Alliance when you have small fractions, they can only deal and share information to a point. There is strength in numbers, so why not gather everyone up together? It is interesting to note that we will see that the planets that were chosen for the Tho Yor 
were the civilizations that were already becoming in touch with the Force and already starting a progressive leap into hyperspace travel. So we could honestly theorize from here that if the Thoyor had not been dispersed and had not been spread out throughout the galaxy, that civilizations may well have left their planets and spread out, but we could have seen a lot more infighting and civil unrest throughout many solar systems and many fractions of the galaxy. The argument could be very well done that the Galactic Republic may not even have ever taken form, because that was the complete unification of a mix of different species and races. If they were all left to themselves with no point of origin, no point of unification, the Galactic Republic may never have taken place. Now, this is not the only theory of who could have built the Thoyor. The argument could be given that both the Gri and the Kwa, who were in existence long before the arrival of the Thoyor, could have been responsible for building these and dispersing them amongst the galaxy. Now, the Gri were notably the species who built the hypergates along with the Kwa all over the galaxy to help draw in different species. Now, the only reason why we lean towards the Celestials being the ones who actually created the Thoyor is both the Kwa and the Gri use Celestial-based technology to build their hypergates. So why we can theorize that both the Gri and the Kwa learned that these types of technology technology from the Celestials themselves. So why the Gri and the Qua had created the Hypergates all over the galaxy, it is a lot more acceptable to theorize that before these Hypergates, the Celestials had already planned different versions of transportation to draw in members of the galaxy, hence the creation of the Thoyor. So we touched on in a little bit of who was gathered, but let's try to define that a little bit better. So on the planet of Andu Prime, the Order of Daibendu monks discovered one of these ancient and massive pyramid ship constructs, resting half buried within a snow cradled high in the Adobe Mountains. Seeing that the odd pyramid was of alien origin and sensing in the force that it contained important mysteries that would be revealed to them at some point in the future, the monks named the relic Thoyor. Now before we dive too much into the transportation of the Thoyor, let's do an off-branch, let's dive into who are these Dai Bendu, because we will find out that the Dai Bendu actually are their existence is throughout galactic history. They don't just exist here at the beginning and go away. They do retain their presence throughout Star Wars lore. Now, in the early history of the ancient order, the Dai Bendu arose in the mid-rim region of the galaxy on an astronomical object named Thape. The date of this emergence was lost in time, but the order existed from the earliest of antiquity. Indeed, the Dai Bendu monks were already active by the 38th millennium before the Galactic Civil War in an era known as the Early Hyperspace Age. That era saw the early developments of space travel, which provided unprecedented possibilities for cross-species communication. At first, the Order of Dai Bendu consisted of peaceful monks dedicated to the study of numerology and holding on to non-confrontational principles. This would be something that we would later see adopted into the Jedi and the Jedi Order. 
It became one of the first groups that ever discovered and studied the Force, the mystic energy that flows through all living things and binds the galaxy together. Now the monks had also discovered the Metachlorians. This is a species of microscopic orbit organisms that existed within the cells of every living creature and allowed them to touch the Force. While other organizations had developed similar ideas elsewhere, including the shamans of Dathomir and the Selkath scholars on Manhan, they were isolated from each other and unable to share their views and beliefs. Now, this could be argued of why the Thoyor sought out these races. At some point after the foundation of the Order of the Dai Bendu, the monks traveled to the snowy Andu Prime, another Midrim planet, where a force nexus was located. They made their home in the Adobe Mountains, where they stayed in isolation. As a result of moving out of Ando Prime, all of these new Bendu monks were Talids, a nomadic species indigenous to the planet. They were often collectively referred to as the Bendu tribe, and the term Dai Bendu itself was sometimes used to describe a member of the Talit species. Now, if we dive into the organization and beliefs itself of the Dai Bendu monks, we get a little bit better insight of philosophy that would soon follow moving into Tython and for the Jedi order itself thousands of years later on. The Dai Bendu monks of Andu Prime lived in a tribal community away from the busy cities and under the guidance of the wisest of them all who bore the title of high priest. They dwelled in simple living tents, nestled in the mountains, and pure water which pumped from the Adobe Mountain Pipeline was sacred to their beliefs although they sometimes sold it to the occasional visitor. Those who would later migrate to Tython's system had built temples of their own on the celestial worlds, some of which were decorated with stained glass symbols and frescoes relaying the monks' religious tales and history. The monks also used to string rectangular pieces of cloth along mountain ridges, sometimes colorful, sometimes covered with inscriptions. These monks were very similar to the monks that we know of on our own planet of Nepal. If you can imagine those monks and the scenery that you've seen there, this is very, very close and a very tight simulation of what the Daibendu are. The Daibendu monks wore long flowing robes of simple design and some of them used walking poles to help them to move up the frozen trains. In late years of the order, the high priests donned elaborate orange and red robes with the high pointed hood. Again, very similar to the monks that we know of Nepal. The Bendu monks also performed different kinds of chanting, some of which consisted in eerie and haunting yulations, while others required a low, deep voice sounding more like a growl. Now, those who listened to their meditating voices would sway slowly in time with the chant, almost like a rhythmic dance. The monks were known for teaching non-confrontational principles, with the notable exception of commercialism, despite their professed, their professed commitment to peace. Kind of ironic. At the time of the Naboo crisis now, the monks not only hosted, but also organized pod racing, believe it or not. 
this is the sport which was both notoriously dangerous and based on competition. It notably allowed them to sell their craft, including artisanal carpets, to the numerous pod racing fans who visited Ando Prime. If you can go back to Tatooine where we saw Anakin doing his pod racing, those elaborate flags that you see in the background, those are made by the Dai Bendu monks. Despite that breach of their own rules, the Bendu monks were still regarded as both dignified and kindly in their waning dec decades of the Galactic Republic. Numerology now, the study of the occult significance of numbers, was also used and developed by the Bendu monks. They believed that the number nine represented the benefit presence of the Force in the Unirary Galaxy. At the time of the Unification Wars, they used to represent this through eight spokes joined to one disc. That eight-spoke sigil that I was talking about was very similar, although not identical, to the one that was engraved on the Tho-Yor triangular faces. The Bendu symbol was later reclaimed by the Sith Emperor, who made it the emblem of the Sith Empire. A millennia later, the crest was reused once again, renamed the Galactic Roundel. The Bendu symbol adorned the starfighters of the Jedi Knights and saw use in the insignia of the Galactic Republic as a whole after the fall of the Republic, and its replacement by the Galactic Empire in 19 BBY. The self-appointed Emperor Palpatine personalized this ancient icon by removing two spokes, thus creating the Imperial Crest. So if we come back to Ando Prime with the Dai Bendu monks and their meditation around these discovered Tho-Yor, the mystics continued to contemplate the artifacts that had discovered and meditated on it for over a millennium, until the year 36,453 BBY, or what we would come to know as 0TYA, Tho-Yor Arrival. This is when the starships would finally be opened up. They would open themselves and using the force to communicate with the Dai Bendu, invited the monks aboard. Now the Tho-Yor subsequently rose from the planet's surface and traveled into outer space. This is now where our timeline begins. This is year zero. After leaving Andu Prime, that particular ship traveled to many different worlds to gather more Force-sensitive scholars, scientists, warriors, and the like. Elsewhere, seven other Thoyor did the same. We had eight Thoyor ships in total. One ship had submerged into the seas of Manhan, where the Selkath scholars and scientists had long been fascinated by the strange structure when the doors opened of the ships, they abandoned their world and boarded it. On Kashyyyk, a Thoyor had long floated deep in the forest, protected by Wookiee warriors who guarded it with clubs, embedded with glowing crystals, I might add. The warlike Wookiees also heard the call of the Thoyor, laid down their weapons to enter the mysterious vessel. On Dathomir, one of our dark-sided planets that we spoke about earlier in our series before Halloween, a Thoyor rested in the mist-filled valleys of the world, where it was hidden for some time. Now when it called out to, to the Dathmiri through visions and dreams, their seers and shamans located the ship and boarded it with their Rancor mounts. 
another Thoyor, having been resting deep in the scorched deserts of Ryloth, called out to the Twi'leks, who emerged from their cave dwellings to seek the answers to the great philosophical debates of their time. Boarding the ships once again, it traveled to more worlds to find others. Traveling the galaxy and collecting more and more species, the Thoyor had collected individuals from many different worlds. Species would contain but not only include humans, Sith, Zabrax, Twi'leks, Wookiees, and many more. What is interesting to take note here is that not only do we see the combination of multiple species and sentient beings, but that we are having a coalescent that is brought together in a very early stage of the galaxy that we do not see of the same scale for millennia to come. We're talking about bringing together not just peaceful civilizations here, but civilizations who will go on in history as being the most prominent warlike and dark-sided users in Star Wars history and lore. But at this point in time, they are being brought together for a greater purpose. Later that same year, the Thoyor came within a star system containing 11 uninhabited planets, gathering on a jungle planet that was located in the fifth orbital position around a large orange star. The strange ships gathered around a larger, colossal Thoyor, which was found hovering above a monolithic stone tower. Now, this larger Thoyor was already there when they got there. So you have these eight Thoyor that went out into the galaxy, gathering up these beings. So now you have nine Thoyor in total. When all eight Thoyor had assembled around the largest one, the planet heralded their arrival with a massive force storm a weather phenomenon wherein the planet's raw force energy erupted in the form of violent lightning, ground quakes, and high winds. Hence why we get the Thoyor arrival, we're heralding them in. While still aboard the Thoyor, the passengers of these ships were able to sense the great tower above, which they floated and were unified together as a single people. Not long after, the eight Thoyor departed from the mountain and shot out across the jungle planet, scattering across the surface before settling in different regions of the world. When the Thoyor had settled in their unique regions, they disgorged their passengers who set foot on the world for the first time. With the first millennia of the colonization of the world, the Force sensitives among the group became united under one code of conduct and began to call themselves the Jedi Order. Now, this is where we are going to stop for today. There's a lot more that we have yet to uncover and to re-examine that I thought this would be a good place to take a breather and dissect what we've learned so far. Because as we move forward, we need to learn about the planet itself, that what they landed on, which is Tython, and the power that this planet contains within itself it's different than many other places in the galaxy. Because as we'll find out, not everyone can live on the planet of Tython. That is an exclusive to only Force users, but that's for another time. 
So in recap, we have the beginning of the Star Wars Galaxy timeline. We have the establishment of the TYA, or the Thoyor arrival. We have the beginnings of origins of the Dai Bendu and their practices that will be adapted into the Jedi Order moving forward. And we have the creation of the galaxy itself from the Celestials. Next week, we'll dive into the planet of Tython itself, the system, and how the planet powers the actual inhabitants that are able to survive on the planet itself. So if you want to know when that episode drops, you know what to do. Force push that follow button and share it with the species or the sentient being next to you. Now before we blast off into hyperspace, it would really do the channel a huge help if you would drop us a comment and leave us, hopefully, if you feel a five-star review. It helps us grow and it spreads us across the galaxy. Don't forget you can follow us and join us on Instagram at star underscore wars underscore GA. You can come and help spread this knowledge of the Star Wars galaxy to the far reaches of space. As always, I am Darth Tragus, and until next time, may the Force guide you.